Hi, everyone, and welcome to the American Constitutionalist. I'm Jeff Tokar, your host, and with me is Cliff DeCamp. The American Constitutionalist's main purpose is to defend and champion a return to the original intent and meaning of the United States Constitution. In addition, we at the American Constitutionalist are not afraid to mix politics and religion because we believe in America, they're inseparable. America was built as a Judeo-Christian nation and history proves it. Yet even though we were built on the Christian principles of the Bible as a Judeo-Christian nation, our founding fathers and framers of our constitution still left you with the freedom of choice in religion. Cliff, we've talked about this before, but I really believe for the love of money is the root of all evil, just as the Bible says. It says the love of money. It's not having money. It's the love of money. And it equates with power and control. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we get into the podcast today. But first, I want to back up and talk about what's predominant in the news right now. And that's Russian troops are continuing to assemble on the Ukrainian border. And I believe they'll soon invade that country. Now, I've said this before. I don't think they'll do it until after the Olympics. And you might ask, why? What's the Olympics got to do with it? Where are the Olympics being held in 2022? Beijing, China. And they do not want to interfere with a world event that China will be hosting. So I think if they do invade, it will be right after the Olympics. And the Olympics are starting this very coming weekend and they'll run for two weeks. We'll see, I could be right, I could be wrong. This will also give Russia dominance in the European gas markets. They've got motive, remember, money, power, and control. I also stated that I believe by the summer of 2022, there's a very high chance that China will invade Taiwan. Now, I just mentioned some of the implications of why Russia would want to go in the Ukraine. It's to control those resources. But do you realize the implications of China taking Taiwan? If they do, they will dominate the world computer chip market. And that is huge on the world stage. And a lot of people don't realize that. They don't realize the motive behind why these countries are doing what they're doing. And because of the corruption of Joe and his son Hunter, I believe that some of these nations had a hand in helping domestic identities corrupt and degrade the 2020 elections so they could be exactly in the position to advance their empirical thirst for power, land, and the resources they think they will acquire from these aggressive innovations. Now, I've said this before, we live in a delicate world that really has come to be interdependent on each other, whether we like it or not. The globe is large, but yet it's a small world we live in. But many political world leaders either don't fully understand that, or they totally ignore that fact, or they're so power and control hungry, they think they're impervious to international co-reliance. War and aggression that isolates and causes division in those international reliances will cripple all of us around the globe. It will destroy economies, devastate supply chains, and drive up inflation. We will all lose in the end. However, if my past summation about the elections are true, then what will happen? What will America do? I think they'll do nothing but put on a show of posturing. They will just slap their hands and say, you shouldn't do that. They might say, we're going to put some economic restrictions on you, but will they really have an impact? But you, the American citizen, you will pay severely with the inflation that will follow. And technology will be in the hands and mercy of China. 
And it all comes down, Cliff, to the love of money, power, and control. Yeah, I, I am uh, I am a little hesitant to say I think that the Russians are going to invade Ukraine. Now, granted, they're mounting a bunch of troops on the border, and I agree with you that they probably won't do anything until after the Olympics, but I don't think Russia is going to end up invading um, the Ukraine. So Russia already controls the, uh, the natural gas and a lot of the petroleum into Europe, uh, irrespective of uh, Ukraine's, uh, you know, position in that system. So it, it's really truly the Russian natural gas and Russian oil that flows across the Ukraine into Europe. So I don't anticipate that, uh, you know, the Russians want that particular uh, thing. That's not what they're looking for. They're not trying to control any of the natural resources. I believe their whole purpose in doing what they're doing is just trying to prevent uh, the Ukrainians from being part of NATO. I think that's really what it's all about. And I think if they get enough concessions out of the West, that, uh, that uh, which I think they can get, and I think that uh, we would willingly give, and just basically say that we're not going to allow the Ukraine to come into the NATO, I think we will be fine, and, and that uh, goes away. The Taiwan-China uh, situation is completely different. I anticipate that China is going to do that, and you're correct. They would have a vast control over the chip uh, market, computer chip market in, in the world. Um, I can tell you, though, that... Uh, and it's not because of Biden, um, it's because of a Republican governor here in Ohio, that in Ohio, starting at the end of this year, they're gonna break ground, when I say they, Intel's gonna break ground for a $20 billion chip manufacturing facility just south of Columbus. And they're set to break ground at the end of this year. So uh, you have to understand that it was just recently announced, so it's just been a couple of weeks that uh, that announcement went out. So we're not sure exactly what all is going to take place. I know it's in Licking County, Ohio, uh, aside from then, and then it's $20 billion, uh, in total, and uh, it's they're anticipating about 10,000 new jobs. So it's a significant uh, increase in the manufacturing of chips here in the United States. Uh, now, uh, in the interim, if China were to take over Taiwan, it certainly would affect the uh, the chip market um, uh, because, you know, you break ground in 2022, it's not going to be finished probably for a couple of years. So uh, those jobs aren't going to exist. The chips aren't going to roll off the line for a couple of years at least. Um, but in any event, um, I think that China is more likely to take over uh, Taiwan, and they've been posturing that in that direction for years. So... I just anticipate that they would do that. They never would have done it under Trump because they were afraid of what the consequences would be. Um, but you know, with the uh, with with Biden in the uh, White House at this point in time, I think they figured they got a friend uh, in the White House, and now would be the time to do it. And you know, is it going to be this year? I don't know. Um, I can almost guarantee it's going to be while Biden's in office. But uh, I don't know exactly what the timing of it would be. Uh, but certainly there are flexing your muf muscles there. And, you know, one of the things that is uh, is kind of disturbing is that they will have control of the uh, South China Sea, which is uh, a lot of commerce goes through that. 
Um, and so therefore they would be uh, controlling a lot of the maritime shipment of goods uh, if China were to take over that control of Taiwan. So we'll just have to see how that one plays out. Um, my personal opinion is that in the Ukraine, um, you know, unfortunately at this point in time, it's not worth us getting involved in militarily there. We can provide them with all kinds of support. We might even support some of the European countries uh, to uh, to assist them with direct military support. But frankly, I don't think we ought to have boots on the ground in the Ukraine. Taiwan, that's a whole different story. We've got um, deep economic relationship with Taiwan. We have deep political relationship with Taiwan. Um, I think it would be uh, in our best interest to give more support to Taiwan than the Ukraine. And, and I agree with you. I don't want to see it happen, but I'm saying if it's going to, I think it'll be after the Olympics. And you're exactly right about NATO. They don't want the Ukraine becoming a member of NATO because if they do, they have better protections and it opens up more of the free markets in the Ukraine. And the people in Russia who are under the bondage of communism see what's going on in the Ukraine. They're going to wake up and go, hey, wait a minute. Why are they living this life of luxury and free markets? And we're here and we're stuck with what we got. So that'll be interesting to see. So I hope it doesn't happen. It may not. Now, when we talk about China, I heard someone say this today and I thought it was really interesting and we'll never do it, but it would be great. China fears our alliance with Japan. Tell Japan to start holding their military operations out there in the ocean between China and Japan and, you know, maybe let them pucker up a little bit. I don't know, but... It would be a, a neat thing to happen and, and see what China would do. But all that will play out in time. Point on your Japanese comment, uh, you understand that the Japanese only recently have been uh, willing uh, to increase their military forces. You know, after World War II, by treaty, they weren't permitted to have a large navy, a large army, standing army, etc. Those restrictions have all been lifted at this point in time. But Japan got so used to not having to pay for those things that it's uh, taking them a long time to get back in the habit of uh, spending money on their own defense. They've relied on the United States and the UN to protect them for so long, it's very difficult to do. They're just now starting to build up their Navy. Yeah, and if you look at China versus Japan pre-World War II, guess who uh, had the upper hand? Japan was kicking their tail, so to speak. Yeah, and, you know, it obviously militarily they could build themselves back up to be a significant uh, power. And, you know, the Japanese have access to nuclear weapons and uh, that technology, et cetera. So they technically could be a very uh, formidable adversary. And, you know, the U.S. should probably encourage them continuing to spend more of their GDP on uh, military and security uh, forces. So. Won't happen under Biden. And as far as your Biden comment goes, that if they do invade, it'll be before um, Biden leaves office. There's some oh, elements yeah. we need to, we need to think about is, number one, is Biden going to be in office a long time? And hopefully after the red wave of 2022, um, will they want to make a move before the new Congress takes seat in January of 2023? A lot of interesting things could play out. If there's a red wave in November of 2022, there may be a red wave in December in Taiwan. <laughs> I like the analogy. Hey, I want I want to shift gears here. You know, kind of 
go in a different direction and talking about this and in the money, the power and the control. And I want to go back to in the world. This isn't something new. This has been relevant through the history of mankind. And it's really come to center stage in the world. And I want to talk about how we arrived at this point in the world. The progressive self-indulgent for thirst, money, power and control is what has brought us here. And I, and I used to call it M3P, which was money, power, popularity and prestige. And I've expanded on that to put the control in there. It's disguised and built on secular humanism. Now, it may not be at the forefront of conscious intellectualism, but is at the minimum the subliminal subconscious of humanistic indulgence. It is a narcissistic, euphoric belief that morality is based solely in the regard to temporal well-being of mankind to the exclusion of belief in God. It is centered on human interests and values for personal satisfaction and gain. It leads to existentialism where there are no immutable rights or wrongs, full sexual freedom, situational ethics, morality, maximum individual autonomy with each having the right to do their own thing. The progressive socialist communists do not believe in national sovereignty, but desire a world government. They want a collective. Secular humanism is a religion that replaces theism with humanism. It is the self-absorbed religion that defies man and dethrones God. These humanist theists do not accept the belief in the Bible as the divine inspired word of God. Their belief depends on the supremacy of human reasoning. It's a minority group who believes they know best how to run your life, but it's always at your expense and their exaltation. Look what it's done through history. Yet we fail to learn from history and continue to suffer from repeating its mistakes. It always comes at the hands of only a few select people who put their passion for wealth, power and control above all else for the temporal exaltation and self-indulgent satisfaction it may bring. But it always, always comes to an end. It is the means to their end, but not the end of what all means. We will all one day be judged and given account for what we have done in this life. And the greatest service to God and mankind is in what we have given to God and others, how we served him and our fellow human beings. And it matters in the end of what and who we believe in, each with their own responsibility and accountability to God himself. We have lost the ability to recognize truth because it inhibits secular humanism. You know, uh, I'm reading books. I, I think I've read four or five in January. And I want to read you uh, an article that comes out of a book. And one of the books I'm reading right now is uh, The Closing of the American Mind by Alan Bloom. And this article was written from a book called Relativism, Feet Firmly Planted in Midair. And it's by Greg Gokul and Francis J. Beckwith. And they're quoting Bloom at the beginning of this article. And here's what he says. There is one thing a professor can be absolutely certain of. And we're talking about the education system that has progressed out of the 60s, 70s, 80s to the point we're at now. There's one thing a professor can be absolutely certain of. Almost every student entering the university believes or says he believes that truth is relative. If this belief is put to the test, one can count on the student's reaction 
they will be uncomprehending. And Bloom goes on to say, this is not a trend, but it's a revolution. This revolution started in academia and eventually engulfed the common person. Now I'm gonna go on with some things written by Kokol and Beckwith. Since the 60s, the truth, the extinction of ideas that any particular thing can be known for sure, it's been put to death. Truth has died. Today we've lost the confidence that statements of fact can be anything more than just opinions. We no longer know that anything is certain beyond our subjective preferences. The word truth now means truth for me and nothing more. When truth dies, all of its subspecies, such as ethics, perish with it. If truth can't be known, then the concept of moral truth becomes incoherent. Ethics become relative, right and wrong matters of individual opinion. Now listen to this. They quote a Harvard commencement address. Is the freedom to devote ourselves to any values we please on the mere condition that we do not believe them to be truth. They go on to say, when we abandon the idea that one set of laws applies to every human being, all that remains a subjective personal opinion. The notions of human respect and dignity depend on the existence of moral truth. Without it, there is no obligation of self-sacrifice on behalf of others. And that's important because we have leaders that go to Washington, they tell you they're gonna represent you, but they go there and they don't, and they don't sacrifice their personal lot, their personal wealth, their personal gain. They go there for their personal gain instead of the people they go to Washington to represent. Ours is a generation that has institutionalized moral relativism. We cut our eye teeth on the philosophy that life's most sublime goal is to be happy and that virtually any means justifies this self-serving end. Radical liberals take pride in tolerance, yet tolerate no one who doesn't share their moral open-mindedness. They want them, they do not tolerate intolerance to their non-tolerance. They say, make your own rules, define your own reality, seek your own truth. They conclude the article saying, if we reject truth, why should we be surprised at the moral turbulence that follows? You know, I just find it interesting that, um, you know, in, when we have arguments uh, in public, you know, on social media, et cetera, um, you know, we, we get this um, uh, often, you know, we'll get people who will say, well, that's what you believe and I believe differently, et cetera. And therefore, uh, you know, let's just leave it at that kind of thing. But what people don't understand and, um, is that, you know, you can have an opinion and I can have an opinion, but there's still a truth that exists out there. Yes. Uh, irrespective of our opinions on things. And so, you know, there are sometimes when, when you want to take a look at this and say to, to people who are opposing you, um, you know, maybe, maybe they have a point, maybe they don't. But at some point in time, one of you is correct and the other one is not generally. That's what it amounts to. Although, quite frankly, both could be wrong. <laughs> um, right. But both cannot be right if they're opposing positions. There's only one right answer. There's only one thing that is proper. Um, and people have lost sight of that that fact. Yeah. And they talk about that in Chapter 2. and. 
we don't have time to go into it. But if you want to read, I'm going to give you these two books again because I think they're great books. Relativism, Feet Firmly Planted in Midair. It's by Greg Kokel, K-O-U-K-L, and Francis J. Beckwith. And the other one is The Closing of the American Mind by Alan Bloom. And that's A-L-L-A-N, Bloom, B-L-O-O-M. I highly recommend, if you can, to pick up those books and read them. And you need to read. That's what we do, Cliff and I, continually. We read, we study, we try and find out uh, truth and common sense information to bring you here on the American Constitutionalist. But you know, in talking about the love of money and power and control and all of this, as a Christian, I may be in a world of chaos and loss, but I'm part of a spiritual victory that no human can ever take away. That is my faith, that is my hope, and that is my salvation. For me, for my choice, my freedom of religion is in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He is the means to my end and the end of my means. I want to read you from Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. Folks, the Lord allowed America to exist, to be that light, that city on a hill. He built this house to be a blessing to the world. We are exceptional, but there are people who are destroying this nation. This is why I state at the beginning of every podcast, we were built as a Judeo-Christian nation with our founders of this country and the framers of our constitution, setting the standard as a civil society constructed on the values and principles found in God's holy word, the Bible. They took God's word as absolute truth. They wish you would believe as they did, and I do, but they know you have a choice and only you can make that choice on whether you'll believe in God or not. There is a right answer. As Cliff said, you can have an opinion, but there is absolute truth. God gives you that freedom and that choice too. Therefore, our founders and our framers placed in our constitution at the very beginning, the freedom of religion. It's your responsibility and accountability to determine the ends of your means when it comes to your relationship and belief in God. But when it came to a guiding light for America, they chose God and his word, the Bible. They desire those precious values and principles to guide our nation. They knew that truth was the only way for a moral, virtuous, just, and honest society to exist. They desired a federal government to be an umbrella to guide the freedom of each and every state, not to dictate to the states. They wanted you to experience life, liberty, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness as an individual citizen. But it had to have perimeters. And that started with the absolute truth found in the Bible, which led to our nation's guiding documents. This is why we need true servant leaders who will not have the perverted passion and the lust for money, power, and control to go to Washington. Leaders who know this historical significance to America's foundation as a nation, a Judeo-Christian nation. We need sacrificial leadership who know that only when you give away powers that you truly have power and freedom. We need servant leadership who as true Americans know how to represent we the people for this nation, for this Republic, for this country to continue to exist. We must return to the original intent and meaning of the United States constitution. And I remind you, God does not need America. America needs God. At minimum, 
We must return to being a Judeo-Christian nation we were blessed and built to be. That is the only way we can survive as a virtuous, just, moral, and free country. Our nation can change. God can deliver us as a people, but it will take us Christians and others who will join us. Getting on our knees in fervent prayer and petition to God Almighty to spare this nation, this republic, and the freedom he has blessed us with. The 2022 elections are important and will have an impact on our future as a nation. You need to look at who you're going to vote for in 2022. It is going to matter. Elections count and elections have consequences. Folks, this is a critical year to pray and look for leadership who will truly serve America. Please join us and share this podcast with as many Americans as you can. We need you to pray, America. We need you to stand with us at the American Constitutionalist, spreading the word of truth as we strive to continue to be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty, justice, and freedom for all. For Cliff DeCamp, this is Jeff Tokar, reminding you that we at the American Constitutionalist still support and believe in God, America, and freedom. Freedom.